there is no way that a class of 13 or 15 students are going to eat like 100 cakes in an hour. Well, they can try. They did try. <laughs> Especially with the custard tarts, from Portuguese custard tarts, they would just disappear in no time. But Hello, everybody. I'm Tiago, and I'm here with Diana who is a pastry chef who used to be a designer and animator. Is that right? I didn't really go into work in animation, but yeah, I did work as a designer. Okay. First of all, how is it like being a pastry chef? I think like anything else, it does have its ups and downs. Like I think any other job does and you kind of hope that the good makes up for the bad. But at the end of the day, I do love being a pastry chef and currently I'm working at Betty's. So not as a pastry chef, as a confectioner. Okay. So it's more decorating and putting cakes together. I have worked in several hotels as pastry chefs. So mm -hmm. at those, I had the freedom to create a menu every single month or every three months. And yeah. at the end of the day, you also have to try and keep in mind the people have allergies, that people don't like eating certain foods and every country is different as well. So while something works in Portugal, it might not work in the UK or in any other country. So you have to realize that wherever you're working, the experience is going to be different. It sounds like, um, you know, pastry is something like really dynamic, kind of catering to the local tastes, depending on which country or sometimes which area you're working in. Yeah. I think most culinary adventures or anything you go and eat at a country, it's always going to be different and it's always going to cater to what people like in that country. So if you go to a Chinese restaurant in, let's say, France, it's going to have a different taste than a Chinese restaurant here in the UK or a Chinese restaurant in China. It's always going to be different, mm -hmm. which is interesting, but at the same time, it kind of makes you miss that authentic flavor sometimes. Mm -hmm. I always try and keep it as close to traditional as possible, which is not always easy when... Yeah, I think one of the problems as well is like, you know, sometimes you can't find the ingredients. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not a baker, but I like baking. And I've been trying to do a, a, a pastry that is that is made with cheese, like a, a type of fresh cheese <laughs> that we have in Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been a nightmare. It's been a journey of... Yeah. I think I've made, I don't know, like five batches now yep. and they're still not good. Like the first batch, it came out, it was weird because I, I had um, cheese with some herbs, so it became a bit savory. It was actually quite good, but it wasn't the thing. It was that specific dessert you set out to do. Yeah, exactly. And then my sister made fun of me because she said it was, it looked like muffins. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know the the issue with that, especially here, there are some ingredients you can't find and your best option sometimes is to actually make it yourself, which is really time consuming. And not only that, but if you try like the Portuguese custard tart that everyone loves, yeah. if you try making it here, just the simple fact that the milk comes from different cows that live in a different country altogether, the flavor is going to set it completely apart. So, so you're saying that I can blame the English cows <laughs> for my crappy custard tarts. No, at the moment, you can only blame the fact that in the UK, you can not find what they consider cottage cheese. If you buy it here, which I bought one recently, I got part yogurt, part uh, cheese curds. Not at all what cottage cheese actually should be. 
So we have our fresh cheese, like translated to the letter, which is what you are looking for. You, I'm sorry to say, you're not going to find it here. So hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting some good <laughs> tips here. You're saying that I can bake like th this cheese-based dessert that you know what it is as well. Mm -hmm. I can use a mixture of of their cottage cheese and I mix it with yogurt. No, is no, that what you're saying? that's if you buy cottage cheese in the UK, which considering what we want, it's the closest you would probably get. Mm -hmm. You don't get cottage cheese like we're used to in Portugal. You get a mixture of what smells like yogurt with curds of cheese in it, like fresh curds. Oh, okay. So you're never really going to get exactly uh, the fresh cheese that we're used to because they don't okay. produce it in the UK, or at least I haven't found it anywhere at the moment. I'll let you know if I do find any. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to, you know, say sorry to anybody who's listening to this because I now have a golden opportunity to find out how am I going to bake these things correctly. <laughs> so... I'm trying. Uh, so, what what do you suggest that I do then? How do I make my? And this is nothing to do with the rest of the conversation we need to have. But how do I make my cheese-based tarts or whatever we want to call yeah. them? How do I make them taste like a little bit like cheese, like the normal cheese that we? So your best option is definitely going to be to make your own fresh cheese at home. So it's it's not as hard as it sounds. It's just somewhat time-consuming and. One of the main difficulties is going to be finding fresh cheese that has not been pasteurized. Okay. You have most supermarkets, they'll sell you pasteurized milk because it avoids spreading diseases and bacteria. So it is important to have pasteurized milk. Yeah. But to make cheese, you don't want it pasteurized because it breaks some of the molecules and other things in the, the milk that you need to make the cheese. You can try, but it's going to be a different result. Mm -hmm. So you might be able to get cheese, fresh cheese out of it, but it, it doesn't always turn out right, basically. Okay. You want that and you want the René, which is the... I think to curd the, the... Yeah, the substance you need to curd the, the cheese. cheese and then the mold to make fresh cheese. But a lot of people, like in Portugal, Italy, and I think Spain as well, they do make cheese at home quite easily like that it's easier when you have a cow right outside your door in a farm so step one get a big field step two get a cow and then step three bake the most amazing cheese-based cheese custard yeah. things ever right i think i need to work on yeah. that we've got a bit detoured here pun intended so we were talking about you being able to cater to local tastes in in different in different places where you've worked. Uh, I know you worked um, and you just said you work at a place where you could design your own menu mm -hmm. and you had a lot of freedom, creative freedom. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, I was working as a pastry chef in a hotel where I live and we had lots of freedoms. We had a mystery night and you designed the menus for certain events, for weddings, I make Halloween specials, I make Valentine's Day specials. If we had a customer that had a birthday, you'd like have um, a special plate with some brownie bits and some cream and meringues and stuff, like writing happy birthday with chocolate on the plate just as a, a side. So it would be offered on the house to the customer because it's their birthday and all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Same with special anniversary. So if 
a couple would come in and it would be their anniversary. Most hotels usually do that and restaurants. It's a nice touch for the customer to get something on a special day. Mm. And you try and make it as appealing and as delicious as possible. I always thought this is something that nobody has any way of proving. So I go into a restaurant and I say, it's my birthday. It's not my birthday. And I still get some free stuff. You might get your ID checked. Oh, oh, do you do that then? I don't know. I'm not in contact with the customer. So I get the call from reception or from the restaurant and the staff and the waiters and all that. They'll come in and they say, oh, it's this customer's birthday or it's this customer's anniversary or it's their 50th anniversary or something like that. And can we do something special? And... Usually the answer will be yes, we can put something together. It might not always be the same. And every restaurant or hotel has a specific mm-hmm. way of dealing with that. Some might say that, no, we don't do anything special or they might just sing you happy birthday. Does that mean you always have some something set aside for those unexpected things? Or because I imagine if somebody can come to you and say, look, we need to do this particular cake or you need to come up with something. So basically, when you work in a place like a a hotel as a chef, you have a routine that you go through every single day and you prepare for certain events. We used to have the restaurant open. We used to have the bar where we'd serve biscuits. So you never know how many people will come in and have coffee and a complimentary biscuit. So, and sometimes people go like, oh, can I have another biscuit? And all that sort of thing just kind of add up. But we usually try and have a certain amount of things prepped that can be baked in a short amount of time. Because some days of the week are higher peaks than others. So on Sundays, things would usually calm down quite a lot. And you do know how many people are in the hotel and people usually book to go into the restaurant, but not all of them. And sometimes people from outside can come and eat in. So I'd always have like brownies baked, either for events or functions that we might have or afternoon tea or anything like that. And I'd have a small amount that I could just cut a normal sized brownie into a small amount. Or in a hotel I worked in Ireland, uh, what the pastry chef there did was She'd have brownie bits frozen and then she'd, she'd defrost them for the those special things. Mm-hmm. Usually try and have a certain amount of things. And if you don't, you can, there's always something you can kind of like whip up or an ice cream or something. So you have to think like a lot on your feet. Yeah, most more often than not, that's what's required for working in a restaurant, in a hotel. Yeah. And how does that compare to the work that you're currently doing? So now I'm working at a craft baker, which is closer to a factory than a restaurant or a hotel or anything like that. We do have the exact same amount of work that we do and the numbers are usually coming in every day or every like ahead as maximum as three days. We have around I think 200 or 300 people in the building. Each section does their own thing. So as I'm in confectionery I get my team leader to basically she's tells the whole team what to do Mm -hmm. and that day we have certain things that we need to do for that day of the week and it always repeats every week it's more repetitive but it's more detailed and it's a completely different job in the exact same set of skills that are required it's completely different it sounds like it's a lot more organized it's not more organized it's because it's different because in the hotel if you don't have organization there 
you can't run a kitchen at all. Oh, I meant like um, the the hotel was a bit more an organized chaos, and in here is more of a planned. I think everywhere you work in restaurant or hotel or anything that has to do with food, it's usually organized chaos because it is. <laughs> there's no other way around it. There's always going to be a last minute order or someone going and saying, "Oh, we have this person. Can we fit that in?" And the oven goes down and. Yeah. You're going to have to find a different way to deal with that. And even here, sometimes we have um, cakes that come out like crooked. So we have to cut off the cake and then we only can use half the cake, but we made enough cream for all the cakes. So half of them have to be kept for the other day or the other two days or something. And then you have to find a way to use the cream, which is really rock hard. And then you have to kind of melt it, but without melting it and having into consideration the fact that Health and safety is always a priority. Mm -hmm. So you don't want anyone getting sick from eating your food and things have an expiration date. And it's chaotic at the end of the day. But with communication and organization, we kind of make it work. Yeah. Something you just mentioned now about, you know, you, you made extra extra cream for a cake and now you have to find out a way to deal with it. And, but I know that there's one thing that, you know, it's talked about a lot, which is the waste of food. We, we try, like we keep talking with managers and trying to find a solution, but mm -hmm. it's a slow progress, but we are making progress, I think, to try and minimize that. Yeah, yeah. Even in school, in school, we couldn't even take what we'd produce home. So we'd be free to eat it in that time we had there, but there is no way that a class of 13 or 15 students are going to eat like 100 cakes in an hour. Well... They can try. They did try. <laughs> Especially with the custard tarts, from Portuguese custard tarts, they would just disappear in no time. But um, I think we, we went again on a, on, a, on a tangent. But let's go back to, you said that you worked uh, as a designer. Mm -hmm. Can you tell a little bit about that? So I went to college for design and animation mm -hmm. because I really loved animation and I wanted to become an animator. My inspiration would be like working in Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry and all those sorts of old school animations that we'd see and we'd grow up with. Mm -hmm. The course involved all sorts of things, animation, uh, budgeting, storytelling, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Halfway through the degree, I kind of realized how the industry was. So I thought it would work a certain way, but in Portugal, the way things work were more like competitions and mm -hmm. the other option would be to work in a company that would make smaller animations but the concept would be more 3d than 2d because all the industry is moving towards 3d and the thing is my style is always going to be more cartoonish and, and i think i think we we can see some things that for example, Pixar movies, they look amazing. They're good 3D. Mm -hmm. But just the other day, I watched um, a Studio Ghibli movie that was made in 3D. And I kept thinking, ah, they should have made this 2D. Yeah, that's a good example of good 2D animation made in a good way. That's not cartoonish, but it's still really nice and passionate. But it would not be my what I would like to work in. So is this is this when you decided okay probably animation is not a good place let me let me focus more on design? Uh, no, not really. So I do enjoy animation. Up yeah. to this day, I still like animation, but it's always going to be more two D than the three D. 
And every once in a while, I do grab a tablet or a piece of paper and I sketch out some things. But it's usually just a little... Uh, drafts? Yeah, drafts. It's usually two seconds drafts that just make me laugh a bit or something like that. Mm-hmm. So after uni, like you finished your course, and, and then what? So I went home and I was like, oh God, now what? So my brother did a, a cooking course in school. Okay. During that course, he had a cake designer go there and mm-hmm. he stayed in contact with that cake designer. And somehow she needed someone to do a couple of works in like putting some videos together and doing a couple of posters and I contacted her and I ended up doing an internship with her. It was kind of fun Mm -hmm. and it was a window into a different world because as a cake designer, she was quite good and she also had some cookbooks and all those sorts of things and I'd go do some tours with her. So she published her second cookbook and she was doing some cook shows at El Corte Inglés in Lisbon. And I'd help out. I got to see how she worked and all that craft. And we had a Valentine's Day booth at El Corte Inglés as well, where she she was selling some cakes and some macaroons and bits and pieces for people to buy and try as well as see what's in the book. Yeah. And I got to help her decorate some of the cakes for Valentine's Day. So we'd stayed until like 2 a.m. just decorating cakes. And it was kind of fun to try a bit more delicate work than just putting cakes together for family. So you came out of uni, you got this job doing like graphic design for this pastry chef. And then you got to work a little bit with her and, and decorate the cakes. And is that when you realized maybe this is what I want to do? Yeah. So at the almost at the end of the internship, there was a baking competition mm-hmm. with my boyfriend's encouragement. We kind of... I kind of ended up applying. I got an entry there. So uh, I went to Algarve for a, a French baking competition. It was really fun. We we shot six episodes, I think, for that competition. And I got second place. It was really fun to learn from a French pastry chef and actually see what I could do. Mm-hmm. I think throughout the competition, the openings for the pastry course opened up as well so i applied for that yeah after the baking competition i had um, the position for the pastry course available so i went and i got the a spot on the class there yeah so you went you went through this this comp this competition which opened doors to no it didn't open doors it was Two different separate things. Ah, okay. So you you did this course and then... So at the end of the course, uh, you'd always have to like an internship for three months or one month or how long it would be. And it would always be unpaid internships. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really sit well with me. And it was just... I didn't find any place that I would like to work in Portugal at the time. So I went to Ireland at the end of the course because one of my teachers... He mentioned that he had a colleague working in a castle in Ireland. That sounds very, sounds very Hogwartsy. <laughs> yeah, that sounded very Harry Potter. Yeah. 
and my ears perked up. Mm -hmm. I wanted a ex different experience than working in Portugal. So when my teacher mentioned the opportunity that he could try and get us an internship if any of us wanted and see if we could get in, I definitely jumped on that because it sounded interesting and it was in Ireland. I always loved Ireland. Yeah. I've always wanted to go abroad and I thought that was a fantastic opportunity. Mm -hmm. So let's go back a bit. Uh, let's go back to when, like when you decided mm -hmm. to do this, this pastry course, how did your family react? Your family and your boyfriend, how did they react to you wanting to completely shift your, your professional goals? So my boyfriend always pushed me towards pastry and all that. Is, is, did your boyfriend push you to pastry because he really likes cakes? No, he just, he knew that I cooked well and that I really liked baking and everything. And so he, he basically saw the talent I had for it and tried to help me achieve a better goal for myself, basically. And your, the rest of your family, did they accept that change? At the end of the day, they kind of had to. It was my decision, but sometimes you still get that question. Oh, when are you going back to doing what you took a degree on? And, oh, don't you think about going back to animation? Or, oh, that's such a wasted degree and all that. I think it's those older mindsets where when you get a college degree, you're set for life. And mm -hmm. nowadays, that's not really what happens anymore. Mm -hmm. First, it's not a wasted degree because I learned a lot in in my design and animation course where and and also it's what got you the internship with that uh, american cake design yeah that was a connection at the end that happened and i think everything just fell into place little by little and mm -hmm. so so your parents they they ask you this mm -hmm. about do you ever think of going back and do you ever think of going back uh, not really to be honest it's just sometimes it kind of like oh i could mm -hmm. go into animation again like recently, recently, no, about two, one or two years ago, uh, a YouTuber published an animation called Asbin Hotel and I had loads of fun. And that was the sort of animation that I liked. Mm -hmm. And you kind of think, oh, that would be fun to do. But then you kind of think, yeah, but I really like baking cakes. At the end of the day, I get home and the first thing I want to do is bake yeah. something or cook something so at the end of the day it's kind of like it's what i like doing and that's what matters yeah and i still do animation as a hobby every once in a while it's a hobby now yeah it's weird because uh you know usually baking is is people's hobbies not their jobs yeah and you do it the other way around yeah right so my last question is have you got any advice of how to get into into your area my advice would be to try it and see. The thing is, in pastry or cooking or whatever it is in this area, it's really easy to go in even if you don't have a, a course or anything. There's always workshops, there's always masterclasses, and even if all else fails, you can always just apply for a hotel Wherever part of the world you want, you can mm -hmm. apply there, try it. And most hotels have live-in accommodations or staff accommodations. You can always just 
stay in the accommodation. It will usually come out of your uh, paycheck. Most hotels even help foreign people apply for national, like all the tax issues and all that. They usually do have teams to help you deal with that. I've met lots of chefs and aspiring chefs that started in a kitchen just cleaning dishes. Mm-hmm. And that's a thing that still happens to this day. I thought that was just in the movies. Nope. <laughs> so most hotels, you can start in the kitchen or at the bar and try and find a way to get to the section you want. And most chefs are usually more than happy during downtime or like low seasons or anything like that to help you. And I'm not saying it's going to be that like that everywhere, but most of the places. So it's going to be, if you want to get into, into you know, baking, then try and find a hotel that, that's hiring. No. <laughs> no? No, <laughs> Now you can try that. Like if you don't want to go like, so if you want to try pastry or baking, you can try having an internship in a local bakery. If you can, mm-hmm. if you don't want to go through the course straight away, obviously taking a course is always best because you get the basis right. and the basic for everything. But if you don't know if you're going to like it professionally, you can try for a short amount of time, either a local bakery, a hotel. They're, they're always short staffed and there's always a lot of staff rotation. So more likely than not, you will get an opportunity to try a short period of time to see if you like it. And if you like it, then yes, take the course. It might help you and it might set some better foundations for a professional life. Mm-hmm. So masterclasses, internships, wash the dishes at the place. <laughs> uh, you'll eventually find a way into, you know, baking or, or cooking or whatever it is that is in this area that you want to do. You can always apply for a call me pastry position and they might just let you start straight away. As an apprentice, instead of working your way through dishwashing, but oh yeah, it just apply for positions and be passionate about what you're doing, and then you'll see if it's for you or not. Mm-hmm. Well, um, right. Thank you, Diana. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasant chit chat here with you. All right. Well, I'll see you guys next time. Bye bye. See ya. <laughs>